Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's our 722nd day. <laughs> Easy for me to say. It's our 722nd day, day 722, of our three-year journey through the Word of God. And we've come to Isaiah 36. We take a break from the prophecies of Isaiah, and now we get an unusual narrative section that's inserted in the middle of a book of prophecy. And it's important because these chapters, 37, 38, 39, 36, 37, 38, 39, um, they, they form this really culmination of part one of Isaiah. And then Isaiah 40 starts really a part two to the book. And they really show us a lot about King Hezekiah. And they show us even more about the Lord. Uh, the great deliverance that's been alluded to and promised throughout Isaiah is now coming uh, in these chapters, uh, as well as some other things. And so um, let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we uh, enter into Isaiah 36 together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word, flawless, wonderful, powerful, helpful. We need your spirit to prepare our hearts to receive, our minds to understand, to prepare our lives to respond to your word. For your glory in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 36. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem with a great army. And he stood by the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And there came out to him Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna the secretary, and Joah the son of Asaph the recorder. And the Rabshakeh said to them, Say to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, on what do you rest this trust of yours? Do you think that mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? Behold, you are trusting in Egypt, that broken reed of a staff which will pierce the hand of any man who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, We trust in the Lord our God... Is it not he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, You shall worship before this altar? Come now, make a wager with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you two thousand horses if you are able on your part to set riders on them. How then can you repulse a single captain among the least of my master's servants when you trust in Egypt? for chariots and horsemen. Moreover, is it without the Lord that I have come up against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the Rabshakeh, please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. Do not speak to us in the language of Judah within the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But the Rabshakeh said, 
Has my master sent me to speak these words to your master and to you, and not to the men sitting on the wall who are doomed with you to eat your own dung and drink their own urine? Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out in a loud voice in the language of Judah, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me and come out to me. Then each one of you will eat of his own vine, and each one of you of his own fig tree, and each one of you will drink the water of his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware lest Hezekiah mislead you by saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of, Shef of Sepharvam? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who among all the gods of these lands have delivered their lands out of my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? But they were silent and answered him not a word, for the king's command was, Do not answer him. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna the secretary, and Joah the son of Asaph the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn, and told him the words of the Rabshakeh. Hmm. This is bad news. Now, of course, we know how this is going to turn out. So we have a, a, an advantage over the people who are actually in the situation. So we need to step back. We need to see it, how it looks from their perspective, because they don't know the end of the story. They were living it. This is real history. They were really living this. And Sennacherib, king of Assyria, is the most powerful human king in the world. He's referred to here twice by the Rabshakeh as the great king, the king of Assyria. Oh, but that's a foolish title to give to any human being because there's only one who is the great king, and that is the Lord. But Sennacherib, king of Assyria, is the most powerful human king in the world, and he commands the largest army the most powerful army. He is the head of the most powerful human empire that had ever yet been assembled to this point in human history. The first real empire in human history in that the Assyrians overtook a wide area and had a multi, multiple cultures and multiple nations and multiple kings that were conquered and were under them. So the first really, truly great empire. And so the question here for the people of God is going to be this. When it's the power of the world against the promises of God, 
who will you believe? Who will you fear? Who will you trust? Are you going to trust in and thus fear and believe the Rabshakeh? They have come up against all the fortified cities of Judah and taken them. That's what verse 1 tells us. They came against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. And now they've come from the last one they've just conquered, Lachish, toward King Hezekiah at Jerusalem with a great army. And they get close to the city. The conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. This is just outside the city walls. Stands the Rabshakeh, stands this large army. And the Rabshakeh starts speaking out loud. He's speaking to court officials. Eliakim, who's over the household, Shebna the secretary, Joah the recorder. These three envoys from the king. The Rabshakeh is an envoy from Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and he's talking to three envoys from Hezekiah, king of Jerusalem. And they're talking, but he's talking loud. And he's talking in Hebrew, in the language of Judah. Now these courtiers, they know Aramaic. Aramaic is a, it's the language of the Assyrian Empire. It's going to later be the language of the Babylonian Empire as well. But this Aramaic, which is the regional language of power and diplomacy is not something that the commoners in Jerusalem would know. And so they're, they're wanting, these three men sent out from Hezekiah are wanting the Rabshakeh to speak to them in, in Aramaic. But, but they say <laughs> very loudly and very boldly, um, we are not just here to speak to you. We are here to speak to the men sitting on the wall who are doomed with you to eat their own dung and drink their own urine. So they're making a loud and public plea. And what are they doing? Well, they're trying to make this argument that basically trusting in the Lord is not going to work. And the first couple of parts of their argument seem to make sense and seem to hold some weight to them. So one is they're saying, we're trusting in the Lord our God, right? And the Rapshika's counter to that is, wait a minute, the Lord our God, Yahweh your God, Yehovah your God, you had high places and altars built to him all around Judah, and Hezekiah had them all torn down and said, you have to worship him here. Isn't that going to anger Yahweh your God? It seems to make sense from a human perspective. The Rapshika doesn't know the law of God from, from Moses. He doesn't know that they're only supposed to worship in one place and that Hezekiah was actually honoring the Lord. This seems to make sense. It's like Hezekiah is actually dishonoring the Lord, isn't he, by removing all of his high places and altars that were scattered around Judah? So that seems to make sense. And the second is that he says, is it without the Lord that I've come up against this land to destroy it in verse 10? He says, no, the Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. So he's coming with this confidence of saying it's even the Lord who's empowering us. So after this exchange about speak to them in Aramaic, I'm going to speak to them in Hebrew, he says, he then continues. And now he's giving a positive promise. The Rapshika is a very skilled diplomat. I mean, he is basically the Secretary of State, the lead diplomat, the lead ambassador for the largest and most powerful empire in the world. He knows what he's doing. He's skilled at his game, right? He's got game. 
And what he's doing now is he's telling them this contrast between you're going to be condemned to eat your own dung and drink your own urine. But hey, if you come with me now, we'll make peace. You'll have your own vine. You'll have your own fig tree. You'll drink water from your own cistern. I'll bring you to a land that's just like your land, a land of grain and wine, of bread and vineyards. We're, we're going to take care of you. We're reasonable people here. Just surrender and your life will be so much better. Why would you want to die of starvation and eat your own dung and drink your own urine? Doesn't it sound better to have your own vineyard and drink from your own cistern? And then he makes this fatal misstep when he says in verse 18, Beware lest Hezekiah mislead you by saying the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who among all the gods of these lands have delivered their lands out of my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? I say this is the fatal misstep because now he's openly, publicly questioning the ability of Yahweh to be able to deliver the people of God from the hand of their enemy. And that is something that God will not tolerate. That is, I believe, that step too far. Of course, God had already promised that he was going to show them his hand and he was going to bring them deliverance. God's also made it very clear that they don't deserve that deliverance. But I think God, in his providence, allows the Rabshakeh to get even to this point where it's very open, it's very public, it's very known that this is now a challenge between the Rabshakeh, Sennacherib, Assyria, the great king Sennacherib, and Yahweh, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the God of Israel. It's now a, it's now a contest between these two that's been set up publicly Everybody heard it. Everybody knows. And so what do these court officials do? They go back to Hezekiah and they tell him all the words of the Rabshakeh. Again, the question that's being put here is, who will you trust? Who will you fear? Who will you believe? That's the same question we face every day. Because we live in a world that very much openly mocks, challenges, ridicules, God and his word, Christ and his lordship, the ways of God and the way of the cross. It's openly despised by the world, rejected, ignored, marginalized, ridiculed, disbelieved. And so the question for us, who will we trust? Who will we fear? Who will we believe? Let's pray. Father, we cannot serve two masters. We cannot fear the world and its ways. We cannot go along with the world and its ways and still be your people, holy to you and walking in the way of holiness. So capture our hearts that we might fear you and trust you and believe your word and walk in your ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's Isaiah 36. Tomorrow we are going to continue right on into Isaiah 37. Hope you can join me for that. 
And I do hope, as always, that you have a blessed day in the Lord.